everybody. We're here again with Atlanta Discuss. Time to discuss, time to share our opinion, time to bring erudite scholars to enlighten the globe. You all know we have seven continents with seven billion people. Antarctica, Australia, Africa, Europe, you know, North America, South America, seven in all. That is where those seven billion people reside. But as usual, we have a soft spot for Nigeria at Atlanta Discourse. And those reasons are not perfect. One of it, which is most cardinal, is that Nigeria is the largest concentration of black people in the world. One out of every four sub-Saharan African is a Nigerian. One out of seven, one out of every six black person in the whole world is a Nigerian. So Nigeria is not doing too well. The continent of Africa is not doing too well. We have seen some flashes here and there, but there's nothing has really been very consistent to show the quality that Africa has to offer. Nigeria in 1960, when it got independent, was the beacon and the hope of the black world. At that time, he had economic parity with a lot of the Asian tigers today. Some were even beneath the Nigerian line when you talk to about the economy at that time. Today, the Asian tigers, the Malaysians, the Indonesians of this world are doing extraordinary well. Not to even forget the great Singapore. But Nigeria, all producing nation, lagging behind in infrastructure, ticking all the buttons of a field stream, rubbish health structure, degraded structural and road infrastructure, Telecommunication seems to be working a little bit well, but the petroleum industry is also in coma. The security is nothing to write about, write them about. So everything again now seems to be going back. Now, we have discussed also on Atlantic discussed in the past about collapsed state, failed state, and weak state. Nigeria is a focal point. Now, we agree that Nigeria might not have failed properly, physically, but it's a state that is weak and is collapsing. And it does look that after collapse, any other thing can happen. And when it gets to that, there will be collateral damage and all that. We do not want that to happen. That is why today we're going to talk about the, the responsibility of the citizen, the missing link in Nigeria. Everybody I've brought here from Professors Utomi, Dr. Baze, uh, Odin Kalu, Pastor Ito, everybody agrees from even Professor Wakobea, even Aisha, Yesufu, and amongst our numerous guests, even our councillors and government representatives in the UK all agree that to a very large extent, the citizens of Nigeria have abdicated their responsibility. So today, our focal point will be on the citizen. What is the missing link? What is the duty of the citizen? Who is the citizen? And there's nobody else I know that will do justice to it. Our in-house analyst, he has not been here in a while. His name is Adejumon Anjori. Adejumon, welcome to Atlanta Discuss. Thank you very much, Mr. Diolu. All right. You know, Adejumo has always been with us, but he's not been with us for a while. So let me just introduce him to some of our new viewers. A lot of you know him. Adejumo is a social commentator, public affairs analyst, deeply passionate about the development of the continent of Africa and the African diaspora. Over the past two decades, he has actively engaged in various forums as an activist, volunteer, and contributor, including Atlanta Discourse, of course, <laughs> to courses focused on improving the lives of African children. Ade Juma's impactful writing with opinion pieces and essays published in different print media outlets aims to raise awareness and spark discussion on pertinent issues related to the continent of Africa. Alongside his advocacy work, he has built a successful career in information technology, holding various leadership positions in the Nigeria in different U.S. government agencies, currently residing in Atlanta, Georgia, 
Ado Jumon shared his journey with his family while continuing his effort to promote positive change for Africa and its people. Once again, Ade Jumon, welcome to Atlanta Discord. We're always happy to have you. Thank you. Thank so you. today we're talking about citizenship. Yeah, the missing link, especially in Nigeria. But it's always important to remind you that here we embrace all facets of humanity. We go for the jugular, just the facts. That's what we do here. So Ade Jumon, Let's go to you straight away. Who is a citizen? Thank you very much, Mr. Adeoli, for affording me this opportunity once more. And hello, viewers at home. Um, this topic, and I appreciate you very much because when I suggested this topic to you, you just accepted it. And the reason why I suggested it was because I watched the Aisha Yusufu interview, which is, I think, I believe the last or the second to the last one that you did. And she touched on this same topic and it had been heavy on my mind at the time so i felt like the time was ripe and here we are so today we are going like i just like i told you earlier mr Dioli, we are going to be doing a little bit of an expose we are going to be sharing the screen and showing you a few things that i've gathered uh, you know to start with so um the topic we are discussing today is the office of the citizen which is the missing link in nigeria's democracy as we all know things are now very, very bad economically in Nigeria. Over the past few weeks, as I have watched on social media, and I will play some of the things that I've seen, I have seen the prices of goods, essential commodities in Nigeria have gone so high that the average citizen is basically no longer coping. I mean, I don't even know if they are surviving at this point. So let me just share with you some of the media that I've seen on social media that have gone viral that I'm sure most of our viewers have seen. And I can show you the counterpart of such interactions in the US where the power of the citizen is alive and kicking. So there's the, the there's the media. <laughs> <who's there? laughs> You see these citizens <laughs> crying. <laughs> So I'll pause it there. And like I said, I saw this a lot of Nigerians have taken to social media crying. And more importantly, the thing that really got my attention and asked me and made me angry a little bit was the begging. The begging, which is the fundamental thing that's di that's different between a citizen and a subject. So I want to show you the, quickly, for two to three minutes, the interaction between an American and an elected official. While we see uh, Nigerians crying, literally, heads of families crying and begging the government, how does it work in other climes? 
Please just give me. I'm not going to be doing a lot of talking today Hi. because I'm going to be showing. I'm Jeff. I'm a constituent. I'm from Pine Beach. This man is angry. In March, huh. you told us that you practically broke your arm, patting yourself on the back for not voting in January to just eliminate the ACA. You told us that that was because. You didn't think that healthcare could be solved in a couple of months. It's too complicated. It took you three weeks. Three weeks to go from it's too complicated and it can't be done quickly to I've got a huge pile of excrement here that is a horrible mess of a bill that 17% of the population wanted, that the CBO said was gonna kick 24 million people off of health insurance. Three weeks, Congressman. Three weeks, Tommy boy, that's all it took for you to go from, I'm not gonna do it that quickly to I've got a yes vote in my pocket and I'm gonna use it. They took that vote off the bill because they knew that it wasn't gonna pass. I thought, thank God, thank God, hmm. we're not gonna have to do that. A couple of days, a couple of more days and then suddenly we got the MacArthur Amendment. Congratulations, you're in history now. You're in the national spotlight. That's one thing I want to talk about, the national spotlight. You keep talking about all the constituents that you have to, and keep taking my opinions into consideration. Too complicated. It's not going to get done in months. Three weeks. I don't understand. Oh, we haven't even begun. I'm not done with you yet. I got the mic and I'm not going anywhere. Turn off the power. I got a very loud voice. This okay. ain't over yet. So, <laughs> Mr. Diolu, you can see the difference in approach between the Nigerians and the American. And that basically summarizes what we're going to talk about today, which is who is a citizen and who is a subject. Your question. A citizen is basically a member of a political community, could be a country anywhere, who possesses rights, privileges, and responsibilities within that community, which gives them power, which is a key part. It implies that they have a legal or political status, such as the right to vote, the right to participate in the process, and equal treatment under the law. They have duties and responsibilities. That is a citizen. But a subject, however, refers to someone who is under the authority of a rule under the authority or rule of a monarch or a sovereign that has no rights. They owe allegiance to the real authority. So now we can see, even though Nigeria is a republic and Nigerians are citizens on paper, Nigerians, for many, many reasons, which we can't go into, do not present, they, they, they are not taking their position as citizens. They beg, like these are people just crying in Nigeria, crying and begging the government to do right by them. And then you see an actual citizen standing toe to toe with the elected official saying, listen, you have done us wrong. I have not started with you. He even called him Tommy boy. The average Nigerian would see an elected official, they would go on their knees and prostrate and beg and things like that in the name of respect. But a true Republican, a true citizen says, no, Tommy boy, this is what you promised. We are not delivering on it. We are holding you accountable. And when the next election comes, we are going to take you out. If you if you listen to the entire interaction between 
this gentleman and the elected official, you will see him taking him to a task about his position, his voting on the issue of healthcare. The summary of it is that Nigerians have not been taught who they are. Nigerians have not been shown who they are. They don't really, really know the power that they have. We have all of these rights and privileges in the Republic through which we can hold our leaders accountable, through which we can engage with our country. But because our people don't really know, have never really been shown, do not even believe those rights exist, we basically have taken the position of subjects through learned helplessness and ignorance. And that is why these things continue to happen. So I believe that will summarize for you, uh, you know, for, for the viewers, who a citizen is and who, who a subject is. Now, what are the ways? What, what I really want to focus on today is that what are the ways in which citizens engage, citizens can engage with, with their government in, product, in, you know, in uh, productive ways? I basically found about eight ways, nine ways, through which citizens in the democratic setting engage with their government. And this is very important because Nigerians do some of this, but there are certain key things that we do not do because the harbingers of our democracy, the people who are the leaders of our democracy have not shown it to us as a possibility. And every attempt that Nigerians have made to engage is usually met with opposition from the government. But it's something that we have to do because not doing it is the reason why Nigeria is how it is. Mr. Diolu, like we spend a lot of time, we have spent a lot of time accusing our leadership that they have not done well by us. And it is true. We have had irresponsible leadership over many, many years. But what is worse is the fact that the citizens who should hold that leadership accountable have been missing in action. So you have voting. Of course, we have four-year elections. Every four years, we have these elections. We vote governors, we vote senators, we vote House of Reps, we vote presidents. And then we go to sleep. We go to sleep. We think electioneering, the process of electioneering, is the only thing that happens in democracy. Four years after, come back again, collect gifts and vote. So voting is one of the ways, but it's not the only way. It's only the beginning of what you would call, you know, civic engagement in a democratic setting. Before I touch on these three that I have in the red box that I've highlighted there, there's protesting. Yes, we have protests in Nigeria. NSAS protest was one of them. Right now, protests have started erupting in pockets across Nigeria. The Nigerian government is still very, very military-like in their mentality towards protests. So that is one way. And then you have advocacy, volunteering, you know, policy discussions. We do all of that. We don't have Nigeria law doesn't do jury duty, so that is not that is not um, relevant. But the three real areas that, as citizens, we need to take our position in Nigeria are what I want to talk about today. And I'm going to show examples using media in a working democracy because Nigeria's democracy is essentially fashioned after U.S. democracy. And while I do understand that U.S. democracy is over 250 years old. Ours is barely 25 years, but still, we have not moved at the pace that we should move. We have not developed at the pace that we should develop. We are making the same mistakes that the people that have been doing for a long time made in their day, instead of learning from their lessons and building going forward. So number one, citizens 
can contact their representatives at the local, state, and federal levels to express opinions, voice concerns, or seek assistance with specific issues. This can be done through phone calls, emails, letters, or in-person meetings. That's number one. I will go to the media. Participation in public meetings. This is very, very important. Instead of begging on social media, you know, so like part of democracy is citizens engaging with elected officials through public meetings. As an IT manager, when I was an IT manager about eight years ago with um, a city government in the US, every single month, I had to go in front of a monthly board meeting to account for every IT expenditure that I did. If I did, and this will be the 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 the, 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 count, the board, which is like the local government chairman and all the people at the local government, and then there will be the citizens who will sit at the back, and every employee, every head of unit will have to present their budget and what they were doing. Every month they will ask you questions. Why do we need this server? Why do we need that firewall? Why do we need this? You have to give an account. The board, the chairman of the board which is like the local government chairman, would then present the budget to the entire community under public viewing, TV stations there, and accounts. This is how much the local government got, which is the county, it's called county here. This is how much we got, this is how we are spending it. Citizens will come to the podium and ask, ask questions, demand for change. Like, why are you spending this much money on the arts when we have this many homeless people on our streets? So participation in public meetings is a key engagement vector that currently doesn't exist. It's as if once our, um, our elected officials go to the elections, they just disappear, they go to Abuja, whatever it is, even those local government chairmen in the local uh, environment, nobody really asks them questions. They don't really come out, they don't establish any forum where the average citizen can engage with them, ask them questions, demand answers, and keep them on their toes. Mr. Diolu, this is what makes democracy work. Without this, democracy does not work. If citizens don't put the feet of their elected officials in the fire, democracy doesn't work. Democracy is not just voting. It's, just, it's not just electioneering. It's a daily engagement with people who you have trusted with your leadership to ensure that they do right by the constitution and by the promises they have made to their electorate. Public meetings is a very, very strong way to do that. Petitioning, a lot of things have changed. And I, this is a, it's a key part because through petitioning, elected officials can be removed. And this is important. Nigeria has laws through which citizens can remove elected officials before their time is over. It's a very difficult process, but it's a possible process. And considering where we are right now, the fierce urgency of where Nigeria is right now, citizens have to start engaging and testing these laws with alacrity. Because once that starts, a lot of these elected officials are going to sit up. I'm telling you, prices cannot go, the price of cement from 5,000 Naira three months ago to 15,000 Naira now, and there, they, no, only the citizens are feeling the pinch. The senators, the House of Reps, they are comfortable wherever it is they are. They mouth platitudes about it, but they are not really feeling it. They have to feel it. The pressure must go from the citizens all the way to the House of Reps, to the Senate, and when they feel it, 
where they face this, the threat of, re, of recall, of expulsion, they will then pressure the president to enact proper policies. The, the entire thing works together. I know that we always say that democracy has three tiers of government, and I think we need to we stop saying that. Because there's four. Yes, there's the executive, there's the judiciary, there's legislature, and then there's a the citizen. We need to add that into the equation because when we do, I think our, both the elected officials and both the citizens will wake up to a certain area of interaction that we don't have right now. So let me show you, sir, some um, way. So here in the US, for instance, this website shows you how you can contact um, your senators or any elected official in your area. I already put a random address there. Find my elected officials. So it's going to run its course and then it's going to show you, okay, these are your elected officials. You are federal, you have the president and this is, this is who your senator is. This is his address. That's his phone number. That's his website. That's, that's him on Facebook. That's him on Twitter or X. And you can go like that. Your state officials, all the different state officials, Secretary of State over the elections, Commissioner of Agriculture. These are elected officials. In Nigeria, we have them as commissioners. So the governor has the right to appoint them and remove them. Here, the citizens vote them in. So the citizens can remove them. Anybody who's making policy is voted. Sheriffs, the head of police at the DPO that's currently appointed from Abuja, no, is an elected official at the county level. The people vote, they choose who they want to be their DPO here. And because they do that, the DPO knows. First of all, the DPO is from that community. And then the DPO then knows that if crime is rising in my community, if kidnapping is rising, if armed robbery is rising, and I'm not doing anything about it, I'm about to lose my seat. Because it's an elected official. It's not somebody that was just brought from Abuja. Somebody from Gombe being DPO in the local government in River State. No, 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 that's not how it works. So you see, these are the way. And then local officials as well. County officials, you can go. The clerk of court, task commissioner. This is how citizens engage. I did do some research. I saw that we have a website in Nigeria that lists all our senators, their email. First of all, you will see that all our senators are using personal email addresses at yahoo.com. He's using a private server, ogkalu.com, gmail.com. So we don't have a domain for our National Assembly through which all of the emails that are sent to them and that they send back, we citizens can subject to open uh, FOI, Freedom of Information, to see what exactly this person has been doing. We don't have that. It is, it is embarrassing that this is what we have. Senators of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, the biggest black country on earth, should not be using Hotmail and Yahoo as their official email addresses. No, this is wrong. This is completely wrong. So this is, it's there, but it has not translated into an active engagement between citizens and the elected officials. We need to then demand we need to demand that these people be answerable to their citizens on a monthly basis. They must go back to their constituencies and, and, and not just the national senators. We're talking about local government chairmen, state house of assembly members, supervisors at local government. Every elected official should 
be accountable to to uh to their to to their citizens now let me show this part this is an example of an engagement participating in public meetings that i talked about earlier this is the fulton county in atlanta georgia and this is the board the man in the middle is rob pitts is the chairman of the board he's like the local government chairman in nigeria and this is the monthly board meeting where he's going to defend everything they have done to citizens directly so please take a look and see there goes um a woman pretty older woman good afternoon mm -hmm. um cross the street rob hicks chairperson did you see that she points to him and she says rob hicks that's the that's the chairman of local government not chief this because i'm sorry not chief and uh, 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 no not 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 honorable honorable distinguished no rob hicks i'm about to talk to you this is the, and the reason why i'm emphasizing this is because you can see the begging those two videos i showed there's a lot of them on social media first of all it's random interviewers just going around the marketplaces making content trying to generate content the senators may never hear it the officials may never hear it but this one is directly i'm talking to you teamwork we're not doing teamwork just like that lieutenant just left out teamwork city council the housing authority no money the homeless you're not working together yeah. homeless is money the people out here crying and what you're doing the budget spending unnecessary money not a all it's not about that i'm about the people and if people put all y'all in errington because you're sleeping but what i'm saying to you rob pegs why are you not working with the city mm. the housing authority where this money we getting all this money coming in what are we doing with it you went to school with art you had art because i would think you would be what what you are today because you have to have that in the school and then the courthouse how are you let me show you I'm the man in the name of jesus I'm walking past women that want to commit suicide because they're homeless on the street. I'm walking past women that have been raped last night on y'all streets. Hmm. You got money, Mr. Brad Pitts. You sent 50, I think, $50 million back to the government, $40 million back to the government. And I've never heard Bridget say anything. I've never heard Dana say anything on any issue. Now, you, you know, you're talking to a very educated person. Don't judge the book by the cover. Don't judge the book by the cover. See, Legislator is over government. Who, who knows any legislator or governor in this, in this building right now? In the, see, you looking at these people, you think these people are dumb. They're just as smart as you. Now, like I said before, some of y'all ain't going to be around next year. I'm going to wave bye to y'all, some of y'all. Bye. See y'all later. Um, because you're not doing your job. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that as, a, as a, just someone walking through that door. I know pastors from here to New York to, to L.A. And city council all over this all over this state if you're not doing your job we're gonna find somebody else to do it oh i love that if you're not doing your job we are going to find somebody else to do it citizens speaking directly to elected officials in the general assembly hall which is present in every county in this country 
if you're asking why is America so great, why is the democracy sustained, why are the citizens so impactful, this is why they don't vote and go to sleep. They don't vote and beg. They vote and they stand with them every inch of the way because these meetings are on a monthly basis. They are watching the news. They are reading the public notices. They are shaping laws on property taxes. They are shaping laws on waste management. They are shaping laws on what is being taught in their schools. They are shaping laws on prices. The, the, the legal officials don't just take action by themselves. Citizens engage them on an active basis. This is something that we don't have in Nigeria that we have to promote. And I want to throw the challenge over to you know, the leaders of what I would call the civil rights movement in Nigeria. The Aisha Yusufus, Professor Pati Tomis, and things like that. They have carried the body alone for so long. Um, I still see him on the news, on channels, every day, advocating. He even recently asked for a revolution. He's been doing it since I, I was in secondary school when I knew that man, doing the same thing when Chief Ghanifai was still alive. The reason why they have had to carry the body for this long is because while they were doing the fight, they did not educate the average citizen through local language. What are your rights? What are your responsibilities? Kinia Toy, the only person that did that was Fela Nikola Kokuti, who chose to sing in Pigeon because he wanted his music to permeate the environment and he was using his lyrics, as funny as melodious as they were, to teach the people what they were supposed to do the civil rights movement, like I said, David Hundengi, all of, all of these guys who are leading opposition to corruption and bad governance, we now need to devise a means in which to make sure that the average citizen has a platform and knows what they need to do to hold their elected officials accountable so that the weight is distributed, so that a certain group of people are not marked as troublemakers, don't listen to them, just shoot them down if they protest. Because protest is not the only thing. Whatever it is what we need to do, just like it was done for NSAS, just like it was done for uh, Peter Obi's um, movement within eight months, we also need to plan and galvanize and find ways to educate Nigerians, to push the message, local language or social media or radio, whatever, to let them know, these are your rights towards your elected officials. This is how you contact them. And this is what you can demand. And the laws that don't exist right now, if you don't have the laws that can make sure that local government chairman and senators come back home to hold such public gatherings, we need to ask for such laws. Because when, uh, Mr. Dudu, can you imagine that and how someone stands in the assembly hall and says to a senator, oh, Ogasato, damn Boruba. Do you know what is going on with my children? Do you know what is going on in my neighborhood? The your young man, you know, say, ah, they are not the our elected officials are not feeling the heat they are too relaxed let me let me That's let close. me suggest you there for a while yes. yeah what are the reasons what are the factors militating against the citizen rising up to the occasion why are they abdicating responsibility why okay let me that that's a good question sir one of the reasons is because of the military incursion that we had in Nigeria for 30 solid years, which froze all social mobility in Nigeria and instilled fear in the people. Under the military, 
the generation that, that the generation that raised me, my parents' generation, they lived in total fear. They lived in total fear, and they they did not they did not have the rights. Their rights were suspended. They were not really citizens. They were essentially subjects of military rule. And when that kind of situation was sustained, let's say from 1979, about some right? Well, since 1983 when Buhari took over, to IBB in 85, to Abacha in 98, up to Abdul Salam Baka, all the way to 2000. You had about 20 plus years. So a whole generation of people were born and raised in under the, the, boot, the jack boots of high-handed military rule, where the constitution was suspended, they ruled by decree. And we were raised to believe that whatever they said, that was it. So now that the democracy, and that's why I said that the feminists of this world, the showers of this world, they made a strategic mistake in 1999 because they went on the streets and fought and they were jailed and they went through all of this pain to birth democracy and then they receded and all of these foreign orangutans came and took over the positions and we had all of these criminals taking over the democratic um, institu government and institutions elected positions that good guys fought for. So they, they abdicated. Secondly, apart from ab abdicating, I'm not sure that they knew this, but that was the moment. There's, you know, there's, a, there's a popular analogy that they say that if you tie an animal to a tree for, for, for a long time, and the animal tries to go away and the rope stops him, after a long time, and that animal has been conditioned to operate within the confines of the stretch of that rope, Take the rope away, the animal will never go beyond that boundary because it's been conditioned in its brain. The, the physical <laughs> rope is gone, but the mental rope is there. It is the same thing. In 1999, when we got democracy, there was a need for there to be a nationwide sustained educational campaign to the people to say, yes, it was military, now it's democracy, but this is really what it means. We couldn't do this before, now you can do this. This is how you run a democracy. Nobody did that. And that's not only a concept, that's not because something is wrong with us. In America, they have a public holiday called Juneteenth. The Ju Juneteenth holiday. What is a Juneteenth holiday? When President Lincoln declared the uh, Emancipation Declaration that slavery was abolished. At that time, they didn't have email, they didn't have cell phones. He abolished slavery, so black people are free across the United States. But in Texas, nobody told the slaves in Texas. So they remained slaves for several months, if not years after that, until news came on, I believe it was June 19th or June 13th of the following year or so, to tell them that, why are you guys still slaving on the plantation? You guys are free. The president has set you guys free. And that was when they now knew they were free. And that's why Juneteenth is a celebration in the U.S. till today, to celebrate the day they got to know. In 1999 and up till now, we needed to have done that for Nigerians, to show them that your life has changed. Now you have a role to play, now you have a voice, but that was not done. So the people just took the same military mentality directly to the democratic dispensation. And, and that also affects our rulers as well. Don't forget that President Obasanjo at the time took decisions like a military man. So we, we missed that opportunity and we are still missing it till today. 
I remember. So you think it's too late? It's not. You too think late. it's too late? I don't think mm. it's too. Late. I don't think it's too late. That is why I think instead of waiting for there for for protests to erupt, which is what happened at Ensars, because mm. citizens sit back and elected officials do whatever they want. There are no accountability, no fear, no respect. Yeah, for but anything. but those officials we are talking about, were they really elected? You understand? Because if they are not, you know, the votes in Nigeria don't really count. You know how people yes. get into authority, mm-hmm. into position of authority, political power, what have you. The way they do, they bribe people, you know, some people to vote for them. Whether they vote or not, they rig the rest. So it's difficult for those politicians to be accountable to the people. And poverty is, uh, the society is enmeshed in poverty. So, I mean, I agree with what you're saying to a very light extent, but there seems to be a contradiction because They've already weaponized poverty. We've seen that. The votes don't count. Like I said, in the past, the elections were free, but never fair. Now they're not even free and fair. So that's why I'm saying that. Even when you're enlightened, there's a process for voting which itself is not done properly. You understand? So how do we reconcile all this thing in the extreme melee? It's a real melee. So yes, our elections are highly flawed. Our politicians are very, very desperate. They are desperados, but they are courageous. And that's that, that's what it boils down to. The, the people who are wrong in Nigeria are bolder, are more daring than the people who are right. So those, are, those who are on the right, they, we just speak, we analyze and stuff. But those guys take bold action. Yes, it is true. They are desperados. You, you have I people, I mean... How do you how do you fathom people? There are people who <laughs> had gone to jail abroad, who came back to Nigeria around elections and put their faces on posters and won and sat in our Senate. How, those are bold. These are daredevils. Democracy. According to the electoral law, a, a lot of these people that we found out that didn't have certificates and what have you, including the president. You know, one reason why they seem to have gotten away with it is that pre the, the court said they were pre-election matters. So nobody in any of the opposition party investigated. Nobody among the citizenry investigated. You understand? I'm trying to buttress what you said, that the abdication has mm-hmm. been there, has been an issue, you know. Mm-hmm. All this views and cry after election is medicine after death. A lot of scrutiny should have gone in before, you know, the election itself, you know. So I, I, I give it back the floor. Yeah, so there is there is no we, we must the one thing I'm gonna say is that Nigerians, we have Nigerian citizenry, we have been laid back and lazy and fearful. All of the all of it boils down to that. Yes, elections are rigged, yes, the people's wish often doesn't come to pass in who gets elected because of the where our elections are. But it is still the responsibility of the people to make sure that that changes. In, a, in this US that we are currently using as an example, their democracy was not perfected overnight. The democracy that we are practicing now is not what they got in 1776 when they got their independence. First of first only only white people, only white men with land could vote. Then they expanded. There were women, there were black people, there were uh, Hispanics, whatever. After that, then 
any white man could vote. Then white women, women's suffrage could vote. Then in 1964, black people and everybody else could vote. So the, the, the voting block kept changing because the citizens kept challenging the system. There is no system that works without the yin and the yang, without the pushback, without the push-pull effect of two parties trying to make it right. So including uh, um, voting, bad elections and all of that, all of it boils down to the fact that Nigerian citizens need to understand that they have a stake in the system, they have a right to vote, they have a right to protest against bad governance, they have a right to demand to be listened to by the elected officials. That has to be there. Wherever there is no accountability, all power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. But before I go, let me just show a few, uh, the last thing that I wanted, petitioning, which is something that mm. I, I want to talk about as well. The US democracy, like I said, got perfected through a lot of tools that citizens had to deploy. The recall process, I did a research to find, are there any elected officials that have ever been recalled before their time's over? And from 1799, this is 20 years after independence, up until 2021, three years ago, several elected officials have been impeached from their positions, including a senator, judges, a Supreme Court justice, a president, several a secretary of war. Some of them were found not guilty. Some of them were guilty and removed from office. But the lesson is that because, because people seek, seeking elected office know that this and this precedent exists. They know that people have taken the pain to go around collecting signatures, signing petitions, because the process of recall is not an easy, slow process in the US or even in Nigerian law. But people go ahead and do it. Maybe a judge was compromised and they did a ruling that somebody who was not supposed to win the election won the election. We don't need to wait for the US to apply sanction on our judges, which is what we're waiting for. During the last election, oh, the judges who did the very, very terrible ruling on Hope, Uzodima, America has sanctioned them. It's not the US's responsibility to help us fine tune our democracy. We need to do that ourselves. Heaven helps. I mean, let's, let's, yeah, I mean, your points are fantastic. I agree with them. I mean, we all agree. All my guests in the past, I'm sure, agree that citizens have clearly abdicated responsibility. Now, the fundamental issues are still there. I mean, constitutionally, we do not have a people's constitution. I mean, the current constitution says we, the people of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, blah, blah, blah. There was never a time when the people wrote the constitution. You understand? Mm -hmm. So whatever is enshrined or written in the constitution, people are not even aware because there was never a time that we sat down together. Because in America, that you are referencing now, you have the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Third Amendment, Fourth Amendment, and so on and so forth, you know? So the people are not aware. I think that's one of the militating factors. The other ones which... I mean, we all can bend around is the origin of the country itself. 
like the concussion of the British people, that Nigeria is not supposed to be put together the way it is. Yes, it is true that a 63-going, 64-year-old man or woman cannot blame his or her parents for whatever anomalies that might have befallen him or her along the line. That after so so much years, you should have rewritten, you know, your your structure, your life, and all that. But it is a statement of fact that maybe Nigeria was not even structured to work up an issue. You know, because if the Westerners, for example, allow a lot, like people are saying, look at what's happening in Burkina Faso and everywhere else. So what I'm saying is that, my question in the nutshell is this. You say recall, the judiciary and the police will not work for the people. You understand? So that process might not really work, even though it's enshrined in the constitution. So question really is, knowing fully well all the flaws, the origin and all that. Now, what do you think the people can do in this regard, you know, just to change the status quo right now? Is there anything drastic? Should it be, a, I mean, is a revolution possible? Will a revolution be a solution? Let me just put it like that instead of circumnavigating the question. Yes, we, well, before I come, before, before I answer well, Do you think Nigeria needs a revolution? Yes, but not, probably not the kind of revolution that Shogurayas we're talking about. Mm. We don't need. So, what type of revolution we don't do you need think to Nigeria? burn down our country to change it? Mm. Everything that I've described here is a revolution. What What is a revolution? A, rev a revolution is a radical departure from an existing status quo. That is essentially the whole point of it. Yeah, but I just told you that the Nigerian police and the judiciary will not respond fairly to a petition and all that. We have seen it. We saw a president that clearly, clearly was not qualified to run for that office because the minimum requirement for that office is school search, which is secondary school education. He did not tender any document to show that. And the university certificate, which was the only thing he tendered, as spurious as spurious itself. And he is still a sitting president. From the Nigerian Supreme Court, the Nigerian Appeal Court, never looked it with technicality. So, what do I expect those same kind of people to come I in, mean, to, to respond to the people? I expect a police force where you see uh, sergeants in the police force carrying the bags of the wife of a big man in Nigeria to a party. When we clearly know that it's a society of ISB that I don't agree we need a radical departure from the past. But I'm saying that if the approach is still not fundamental, I will tell you for free that revolution, as they say, it's, I mean, I don't know, I don't listen too much to show but I, I have an idea of what she's been talking about. But I can tell you that there's one guy in Nigeria right now. And 90%, at least 90% of revolutions in the past have been instigated by Onga from the French Revolution to anyone you can imagine. So I don't think, now nah, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I don't think Nigeria is on the verge of something. I don't think Nigeria can go on like this forever. You understand? I agree citizens have abdicated responsibility. You understand? So the question is this, we can write, we can recall, it will not work. We have seen it. It has been tried before and it has never worked. It has, Where has judiciary, no independence, so, so that's Mr. my point. Mr. Diolu. There must be another way around it. Mr. Diolu, the process of sanitizing the madhouse that we currently have right now is something that is not going to be achieved after one try or two tries or three tries. 
It's going okay. to be achieved by citizens who dedicate their time, their life towards this purpose. I, th- I feel like in Nigeria, we expect too much too quick. Don't forget the saying of, uh, is it Machiavelli, Niccolo Machiavelli or Sun Tzu that the people that are invested in a certain social order, they will do everything necessary to preserve that order while the people who are invested in changing that order often do not do enough. Where Nigeria is right now is ripe for a radical departure because like you said, Mm. hunger, direct hunger is being felt by every citizen, every laid back citizen from vulcanizer to welder to teacher, everybody is now feeling the pinch. So this is a good time for us to have a proper people movement that's going to demand certain fundamental changes. Don't forget that news has gone around that they have agreed on restructuring in a certain way, devolution of powers in a certain way, because they have a feeling that the bubble is about to burst. So I hold out hope. I'm not an optimist who doesn't have his head in the sand, who's just in the air, but I strongly, strongly believe that when our leaders start seeing the crystallization of citizen response, they will quickly adjust themselves. If we move and we start organizing, I think it was Shane Kuti who said it, that the real problem with Nigerians is that we do not want to organize anything. It's almost like we want things to fall. So what if, um, so what if they manipulated and um, Tinubu uh, won? We, we're not gonna go back this is what I spent my time speaking to Ineka, Ineka, the Peter of Evil on chair about for some time. To say, oh, I'm done with Nigeria. They cheated us. No. It takes time. It takes years. How many years did it take the black people to win the right to vote in America? Decades of shedding blood, of working, 90-year-olds abdicating the boss in Montgomery, Alabama, walking miles to work because they wanted to change the system. Because our independence was got by negotiations in the UK, go and ask the South Africans and those who are to fight through blood to get their own. They are not this complacent and they don't give up this easily. So yes, in Nigeria, it's going to take time, but one failure, two failures or three failures should not be enough to make us go back and disengage. And disengage. Mr. Diolu, you have a responsibility with the network you have, with the assets that you have, and the people that you have access to, they have a responsibility as well. If we don't want to look back in 20, 30 years at having lived in the US and just shaking our heads at the condition in Nigeria, we have a responsibility to start teaching our people and encouraging them to not be despondent, to not submit to despair, and continue to fight and upgrade the vectors of fight. Not just where we used to do, where we'll sit back and wait and then erupt in a protest, but demanding, demanding, Know who your representatives are. Call them home. Find out who they are. We need to start challenging the system. And then you will find out that conscientious people within the system will arise, who will push from within. And that is the way that a country self-corrects itself. That is the way that America self-corrected itself across many, many, many years. So Nigeria is not going to go through, you know, an easier path, if, if I may. 
Thank you so much. We are still on Atlantic Discourse. We are talking to Adina, our in-house special analyst, Adejumo Ajori. As you all know, here at Atlantic Discourse, we embrace all facets of humanity to disseminate positive news in a world filled with the law of bad news. You know, we give a voice to the unheard always. We balance the information equation. We search and discuss the fact wherever it leads us, you know, combining the best of the human race to get the best out of mankind. We serve as a bridge between the developing and the developed world. We embrace business, art, sport, IT, faith-based issues. We just don't shy away from the fact. And it is clear that the Nigerians, the citizens of Nigeria have abdicated responsibility. And something we give eventually. What it is, I don't know. But I don't know, let me ask you this. Now, do you think, do you think, I mean, Nigeria, the way it's structured now should remain or the ethnic nationality should go their way? I've spoken to Sonny Lambert with the councillor in the UK. He thinks there should be Yoruba nation and there should be Igbo nation and anybody that wants to go should go. And I accused him, look, yeah, Yoruba man. I said, every time other tribes, especially Igbos, wanted to leave, Yorubas have always been the, you know, the first united. So why now, you know? So question really is, do you think that there should still be a Nigeria, everybody should go there? I think- There are agitations across the board. Yes, because of the situation, like I, I feel like we should go back to regionalism, the way it was before the United States. Yeah. Before the military incursion of 1960. Yeah, but we have tested the six region structure now. So it's difficult to put the people in the south south under south. I think maybe we should have about six. Yeah, we can, what do you think? Yeah, we can have six. Yes. Things change. Mr. Mm. Adolu, um, the country, Tanzania today, used to be yeah. two separate countries. Tanganyika and Tanganyika and Rhodesia, yeah. right? And they, for some reason, they decided that... So, nations have come together and nations have split apart. There's not... No one of them is a sin. It is what is right for the people. And this is very important. I saw a video recently that said Norway and Sweden, and I believe Belgium, used to be one country. And with time, they found their level. Without war, there doesn't have to be war for that. In Nigeria... The unitary system of government that we have is inorganic. It was put together by military decree. It was Agui Ronsi who put together that unilateral decree and unitarized our government. This is not what we had from the beginning. This is not how we started. And if we're not going to go back to three regions, because I had a chat with a lady today on Twitter, and, and our Twitter name is Plato something, Plato... Uh, middle belt. North Central does not want to be identified as North Central anymore. They want to be identified as Middle Belt. So yes, if you are going to have six regions, let's have six regions. But we need that regional autonomy where each region is in control of at least 50% of their internally generated resources and then 50% for, for the Central. And then let each region pursue its own development at its own pace because Nigeria as a unitary system doesn't work. It has never worked. It will never work. Our priorities are different. Our cultures are different. We don't need to be a unitary government. The Western region had an embassy in the UK as because they were interacting directly with foreign entities, even though they were still a part of Nigeria. So I do not want Nigeria... So 
I don't so want you to agree with Professor. You agree with Professor Dintalo and Professor Tommy that we need a political solution even before a constitutional conference. We have to agree that we we want to live together first of all. And if we agree, under what guys are we going to live together? Is we, have to. we have to. Mm. And it boils down to the citizens. So citizens are reacting. We are just mm. not reacting in construct. Let me not say that. We are not, there are many, many avenues of reaction that we are not pursuing. That is mm. the crux of what I'm saying. Mm. Uh, the uh, kidnapping and battery in the North is citizen reaction. Not even the North alone, even the South. IPOB agitation is citizen reaction. Citizens are reacting. NSAS and protest is citizen reaction. But we have not been strategic and proactive in our reaction. That is the crux of what I'm saying. There are many avenues of reaction that we are not using because majority of our people do not know. And those who know need to tell them, don't wait till everything goes bad and erupt in a protest that requires the government to shut it down. No, let us go from church, from mosque, to the King's Palace, to um, all the different instruments like local areas of power to sensitize people to let them see this is what these are ways we can do this let's go to the marketplace in yanoja say look this is what citizens do the democracy shall know the local government why can't can't we call our local government chairman we need to meet with him tell him to meet us at the king's palace we want to hear from him every month we need to sensitize that and we are the ones to do that when i say we i'm saying the people who have been fighting for democracy and good governance in Nigeria for years, who have invested. Peter Obi spent 800 million naira of his personal money on this presidential campaign. Imagine what we can do with uh, public sensitization to civic engagement if we raise just 100 million and deploy people, young people who are not currently doing anything with, with t-shirts, with cell phones, with already created media in Yoruba language, Igbo language, uh, AUSA, EFIC, all of them going into the nooks and crannies way before election. This, this is non-partisan. This is how they will do with election. Way before election, going from place to place. The way the disciples evangelized Jesus Christ, the way the Muslims preached the, the message of Muhammad till it became, went all over the world. Why? We can do that. I know we have the resources, we have the people to do that. That is what I'm okay, advocating. Let me let me let me put it this way. Let me. I have three questions for you. So I'm going to rush them. Yeah. Do you think the diaspora contingent, Nigerian diaspora contingent, all over all over the world? Do you think they have a role to play? One hundred percent. We we are the ones I'm talking about. The reason mm. why I have exposure to these things is because I live in the diaspora. When I was living in Nigeria, I didn't know that a whole local government chairman can be harassed like that. That a senator can have, like, you need to see the level of. Did you see what that man was saying to a federal? Do we even see our house of reference? Does it have to be coordinated or it could just be trickled? It is never. So, thank you, sir. This is very important because on our platform, somebody mentioned that the Chikwe mentioned that the diaspora have to be one. The diaspora will never be one. What we mm. need to do is how you. How you found me, how I found you, how you found all of these smart individuals that you've connected with in the diaspora because our thinking is the same. We need to crystallize together. Those of us who think the same, who have a, a similar 
thinking systems, similar values, and create platforms towards this goal, then other people who crystallize in smaller units will connect with us, will grow bigger. Eventually, here in the diaspora, we have people who are supporting the status quo. Yes, because that is where they eat. That is a matter, that's a, that's a statement of fact. There are people who are invested in the corruption in Nigeria because that is where they eat. We are, not, we are never going to be on the same team with them, even though we are both in the diaspora. What we need to do is to find each other, build each other into a solid movement. Uh, Pastor, okay. you, nope. Pastor, uh, Pastor Yajibwe, um approached me a while ago to say there's this movement we are coming together to support a certain cause in Nigeria. Am I interested? I said, yes, I'm interested. Let's do it. There are many, many people like that who can do a little widow's might, but we need to start from somewhere. Mm. We need to fight for our right to vote as well. If we send $25 billion to Nigeria every year, we definitely sure should have a voice. We definitely should have an impact on the system. That is what I believe. So, uh, Nigeria is not faring well. The way things are looking, it looks like it's on the verge of something and all that. Now, if a lot of these things are not done in time, if citizens' abdication of responsibility is not rectified, and I will keep going on, and uh, how much time do you think the country has before things go totally gaggers? Right now, from your point of view, mm. right, right now, I am surprised that it has not gone gaga. To be honest, if you see mm. the reaction of of people, I'm not even talking about opposition. I'm talking about people that fought for and voted for mm. Tinubu himself. There's mm. this actor, I don't know if you see this video, Aremu. <laughs> and mm. many I'm sorry. People, yes. Mm. The, even Tinubu's base, because hunger is universal, like Peter Obi says, there's no different price of food for his supporters or Atiku supporters. All of us, they face the pinch together. So right now, in fact, sometimes, let me use local Nigerian parlance. I think it's jazz, honestly speaking. I think at some point in Nigeria's history, some of our leaders together across Nigeria want to do some very massive jazz to sedate Nigerians, to, to just sedate Nigerians. Because the way Nigerians endure things doesn't make rational sense. So I'm surprised that we are still having the protests in pockets right now. Anytime from now, Mr. Diolu, that thing will, if they don't take control of the prices and people still can't eat, any time from now, I will not be surprised if the protests go the only crumble. Yes. Do you, do you think that the churches are in cohort with the politicians? A lot of people are saying that now. The churches. Personally, I think I think we are as a society, Nigerians are inherently dishonest. And I and I say without fear or favor, be it Islamic, be it Christian, be it, but I think there's inherent dishonesty in the land, which I think is the origin of some of our issues. But my question to you is that uh, do you think the churches, the most with the religious leaders, religious are in are in working in court with the politician? Is a yes or no? You don't have to explain. It's not a yes or no answer. I do believe. Okay, go ahead. I'll give. Yeah. You, I'll give you a minute. I do not think that the the bulk of religious leadership are in cohorts with the government, but I some I, of them are. I do believe that the vast majority of religious leadership, their silence has been instrumental to how bad the country has gotten. Their silence, their acqui, what's the word? The, the, way, they, the, the way they have acquiesced with 
you know, just maintaining the, they are invested in the status, they are too invested in maintaining the status quo. And I have a slide that I talk, I, I, I have to show you before we go. I'm sorry, I know our time is fast, Ben, because... No, no, no problem. I, this is part of <laughs> what I was going to talk about. Because there are power brokers in Nigeria who are responsible for not letting civic engagement grow. And religious leadership is one of them. But the very, very first one, when I thought, when I made this slide, I said power brokers that need to be removed, but then I changed it to power brokers that need to be repositioned. Traditional rulers. Our traditional rulers are one of the biggest problems that we have in terms of civic engagement. And I'll tell you why. They have considered themselves into a middleman between the elected officials and the citizens. The citizens go to them to complain. Elected officials go to them and give them jeeps. So they count down the people. I'm not just saying that from theory. The Sultan of Sokoto just said it, that we can no longer pacify our people. Um, uh, tell the president to do better. That's because um, traditional rulers across Nigeria this is the they have not played a constructive role towards the development of our democracy. They have they have put themselves in the middle. They collect from this side. They pacify this side, and then they allow this side to do whatever they want for so long. Is, is that not what the religious leaders are doing? Also, that is what they are doing. That's why I said I don't mm. think they are in cahoots or they are in cohorts with the government in an active collusion. But the role that they are playing... But they are a beneficiary of the way the system is being run. Yeah, a beneficiary of the system because when there is peace, people come to church, people pay tithe, mm -hmm. people make offerings and things like that. So they have not played the role that we know that biblical prophets played. Mr. Diolu, when the countries went crazy in the Bible days, it was first the prophets that reacted. Pastor Bakari called them the order... Yeah, the order of the prophets before the order of the freedom fighters. He says there's the order of yeah. the prophet. Then we, the we really have to go now. Yeah. Okay. Heads up. These three people, these three institutions in Nigeria, they are responsible for blocking citizens from engaging directly with their elected officials. They need to be removed from the middle. They need to go away. Let elected officials who make the direct decisions that impact our economy and our policy hear directly from the people. When they come in their jeeps to the king, the kings need to tell them, Elobawa, okay, I will organize a town hall meeting for you. And you are right, you people of the, uh, of the city, you are come. You are you, come. You are you, talk. you are you, we should talk. They should stop being the middle so, you have made your points. I agree with you. I, I, I think the traditional rulers are a big problem. I think the religious leaders and uh, the towns and the motor park, those are even creation of government and all that. Now it's time to go. We've been talking to you, but I need to ask you this. I read somewhere today that any revolution, any riot or demonstration must lead to the presidency of Peter Obi, that anything short of that is not acceptable. Somebody posted it on Twitter. Do you agree with that? I do not agree with that. You cannot say must. Okay. You cannot say must. Mm. No. no, no, we can't. We can't. Mm. We can't. We, we don't want to make it partisan. The moment we make it partisan, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. would lose a huge demographic of people who should be involved mm-hmm. in this struggle. No, I don't think it must, but it must lead to change. The kind of change mm-hmm. that will make it easier for men like Obi to emerge and win, you know, and win like they did. <laughs> Fair and square. Thank you, Adejumo Ajari. That's been a wonderful, very fruitful discussion. We agree, citizens have to wake up. The application is unbearable. You now see the implication directly at your doorstep. Whether you are a member of APC, PDP, Labour Party, everybody is now affected, not even indirectly, directly by the situation. We didn't just happen today. This is top pile of over the years from 1966. Some mistakes were made pre-independent, post-independent, immediately post-independent. Nine years of Gowon, six months of Muritala, four years of Obasanjo, five years of Shagari, two years of Buari, eight years of Babangida, you know, five years of Abacha, about almost a year of uh, Abdul Salam. And uh, from 1999 today, we had something we thought was democracy. And, you know, it's it's just uh, unbelievable how much the degradation, how much Nigeria has sunk deep down the hole. Today, everybody say APC is a terrible party. Yeah, they are. APC is a shock to the system. But the PDP, while they were in power, did not organize very good elections, too. I think the APC just took it a notch higher, you know, worse than the PDP did. Our votes must count. Our election must be fair and fair. That is a fundamental problem. We need to renegotiate our political existence. There's no need to be diplomatic about that. So we're going to call it a wrap there. I think you want to thank you for coming again. Thank you for, you know, making it clear to the people. You know, we the people have to act like we the people. We the people, have we are the sovereign, you know. Yeah. We need to act. We, we are to the walk country. the talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. we are the country, exactly. And it's taking too long, you know. He has said it, the people must wake up. It doesn't have to be violent, but People have to own their country. Enough is enough. So to our viewers in all the seven continents, Antarctica, Australia, Asia, Africa, Europe, North America, South America, thank you for your loyalty. I'm still your host, Ade Baloko. See you next week for another very, very interesting topic. God bless you all. Have a fantastic week ahead. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.